0: Hi, I'm Stephen Apt, and here at Divine Savior Church, we believe that the message of Jesus truly changes lives. And so it's my prayer that as you listen to this message, that it does change your heart, uh, that it brings you peace and hope once again today. After you listen to it, if you wouldn't mind subscribing and liking, uh, we'd be grateful for that, so that more people can hear the message of Jesus. Thank you. We're in a series right now called No Greater Hope, What we've been doing is seeing the hope that our God has called us to, and we want to know that greater hope, not just for the end, but for here and now, for today. And we've seen that hope over the last couple of weeks as we're working our way through uh, the book of Ephesians. And this morning what we want to talk about is hope for something that seems so hopeless. It's unity. As we look at our country, as we look at the world, as we look at our communities, as we look at our own household, we see so much division. Every day we log into our social media accounts, we watch the news, we, we Google the news, and we are bombarded with just how much division there is in our country. How much we're told of the division between races, the division between politics. Uh, There is so much division that we're told, and we see it. There's divisions within our communities between economic status from rich and poor. There's division within our workplaces, between colleagues. There's division within our own household, as husband and wives argue, as parents and children argue, Is there any hope for unity? Because as we look at the world, it seems to be getting to a point where we're going to say, no, there is no hope. And then you look at what we're trying to do as a church. And what are we trying to do? Gather people from all different backgrounds and bring them into one body. This is not a good idea, is it? We're going to come in, and there's all this division. How could we possibly be a united body? Paul gives us the answer today. And he gives us the hope that is Jesus Christ. Uh, let, let me just kind of recap where we've been, because it, it's, it'll help realize what Paul's whole point is. Paul starts his letter to the Ephesians. He, he's writing to the Christians in Ephesus, 60 A.D. Uh, he's writing to them from prison And he starts by saying to the Ephesians, you are chosen by God, adopted by Him, forgiven by God. You've been sealed by the Holy Spirit, by God Himself. And then he starts with a prayer. He says, I constantly remember you in my prayers, asking that God would send His Spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know Him better, that you may know the power of God that's at work in your life. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead is at work in your life. And then Paul starts proving the power of God that's at work in their lives. We saw last week how, in, at the beginning of chapter 2, Paul says, You want to talk about power? He says, You were once dead in your sins, spiritually dead, unable to come to God. You didn't even want to come to God. You were spiritually dead, and yet, what was the power of God for you? He made you alive in Christ. Even when you were dead in your sins, it's by grace that you have been saved. That is power. That he worked through the ways of this world, that he worked through Satan's control, that he worked through our own sinful desires to make us alive in Christ. And now he goes from the individual. And now he says, look at the power of God that brings all these different people into one. And so we're going to look at chapter 2, excuse me, we're going to look at chapter 2, 11 through 18 to start. Here's what Paul says. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves a circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. remember, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise. Without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Stop right there. Paul's talking about two different groups of people, and in the first century there was big-time division. What were the two groups? Uh, They were known as the Jews and the Gentiles. The circumcised, the uncircumcised. Uh, what is a Gentile? It's anyone that's not a Jew. And so it's pretty much Jews versus every other nation uh, that Paul's talking about here. Why circumcised versus uncircumcision? Well, the, the dividing wall that was really between these two groups of people uh, started back in 2000 B.C. God called Abraham, who the father of the Jewish nation, He called him and said, through your offspring, the whole world is going to be blessed. All nations on the earth is going to be blessed through you, Abraham. It was the promise of the Messiah. And God said, here is the covenant sign for you. Circumcision. And so every male boy who was born into the family of the Jewish nation was circumcised to show that they belonged to that covenant promise, that through their family, the Savior was coming. It was a visible reminder. The other aspect that God gave them was he said, Jewish people, because the Savior is going to come from your line, I'm going to put a hedge around you from the world so that you don't live like the world around you, so that you follow other gods, but that you remain close to me. And what was that uh, hedge? The law. And so God laid out for them how they were supposed to worship. He laid out for them how they were supposed to govern themselves. And it was different than the world around them. It's a very similar thing to today. Christians are not supposed to live like the world. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, Romans says. Live for Jesus. In the Old Testament, God put those hedges around them, so to speak. All of this background is so important because what ended up happening over time the Jews used this grace of God and it became an improper source of pride. They thought they were saved by God, they were good with God, they were going to be uh, with God forever. Why? Well, because we have all all our faith and all of our traditions. And you Gentiles weren't given it, only we were. Meanwhile, what did the Gentiles do? They looked down on the Jewish people just like the Jews looked down on them but they looked down on the Jewish people and said look at our achievements. Look at our high position in society. You Jews don't have any of that. And you think that you're God's chosen ones? And so there's this dividing wall between them. These two groups of people divided by race, by religion, by culture. And there's this dividing wall the law that the Jews said you're not allowed in. And to be fair, Paul reminds them of it, doesn't he? You once weren't included in Christ. You did not get the covenant promises. You were foreigners to God. Why does he do that? Not to shame them, but to show the grace of God. It crushes their pride and highlights the grace of Our God. Paul's whole point in this entire first section is that no matter who you are, we are united in our common dependency on Jesus. We have a common dependence on Christ. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew who's been given the law. It doesn't matter if you're a Gentile who's got high standing. What is the thing that we have in common? Neither of us have peace with God. All of us stand guilty and condemned by God and in hostility to our God. None of us have access to the Father on our own. The Jews couldn't get there by following the law. The Gentiles couldn't get there by their high positions and their so-called wisdom. Both stood guilty and condemned. They had the same problem. Guilty before God. The same solution. It's only through Christ that you have peace with God. As we look around our world today, there is so much division. There's so much pride. It just looks a little different. We feel prideful and that we're better than those people over there because of who we are, what we've done, because of our economic status, because of the political party we back. And yet, what does our God say? You have a common problem. If you're a human being, male or female, you're a human being, you have the same problem. You're united before God with the same problem. You have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all of us stand in hostility, before our God. But we've also been united by Christ because it's only through Him that we have peace with our God. Look at what Paul says. For He Himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in His flesh the law with its commands and regulations. No matter who you are, whether you're far away from God, whether you are in church every Sunday, we all have had the law satisfied. The law was satisfied at the cross of Christ. When Jesus died, his innocent life given for you and me, the law can no longer stand and condemn you because Christ took it. We all, through Him, we both have access to the Father by the one Spirit. Whether you're far away from God or you're close to God, we all have access to the Father only through Jesus Christ. It's only through Him that we have forgiveness of sins and we can enter the most holy place where God dwells. It's only through Him. We, are, we have a common dependency on Jesus because we have a common problem. And the only common solution is our Savior Jesus. So practically speaking, what does this look like? It doesn't matter if you're rich or if you're poor. What do we have? The same problem. On our own, we stand condemned before Jesus. There's only one solution. It's Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter if you're in church every Sunday and we'll, we'll say moral, or if you haven't been to church in years and immoral, we have the same common problem. On our own, we stand in hostility to our God. It's only through Jesus Christ that we are saved. It doesn't matter if we're Republican, Democrat, Libertarian. We all have the same problem. We stand condemned before God, and we're only saved. We only have peace through Jesus Christ. You want to talk about a unifying aspect. It doesn't matter who's right or wrong in the marriage. That's actually true. It doesn't matter who's right or wrong. Both stand condemned on their own, and it's only through Jesus Christ that both of us are saved. We have a common problem and a common solution is Jesus Christ. Our common problem, we've all sinned. It's only through Jesus that we have peace with our God. Do you see how this crushes our pride in anything that could divide us from other people? It's not our, our political beliefs and our political stance. It's not our religious background. It's not our traditions. It's not uh, if we're right or wrong. We can't take pride in any of that. Because when we stand before God, We've all sinned, but we have access to the Father through Jesus Christ, and that's true for everybody. It's the unifying nature of Jesus. We are all hopeless on our own, but through him we have the hope of access to the Father forever. It's only through Jesus. He unifies us in a common, common dependence on Christ, but we're also united our status. Paul goes on to say he's brought these two groups that were so divided, and there's so much hatred between them, and he's made them one. Which, by the way, if if we think that it's an impossible, uh, it's hopeless for us as a church to get together all these people from all these different backgrounds into one body, imagine the first century church where Paul's trying to bring Jews and Gentiles into one group of people. And it was done by the power of God who brought them to unity. But now Paul says, not only are we united in our common dependence on Jesus, we're also united in our status. Here's what he says. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Paul gives us three uh, aspects of our status in these verses, and each one gets more and more intimate. What does he say first? You are no longer foreigners and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with God's holy people. We are fellow citizens. We have been brought into the kingdom of our God. And you and I and everyone who is in Christ Jesus experiences the same freedoms of being in that kingdom. The freedom from guilt. The law cannot accuse you of guilt anymore because Jesus took it to the cross. We enjoy the freedom from shame. Because Jesus has covered us in his robes of righteousness. We are free from having to perform to gain God's grace. Because it's not about our works for uh, righteousness. It's about Christ's work on our behalf. We enjoy those freedoms. All of us have had our passports stamped in the blood of the king that marks us as citizens of his kingdom. It's all through Jesus. That's true for each and every one of us here. And because we're part of the kingdom, that is our status, we are a citizen of God, do you know what that means and how it unites us as a group? Your primary agenda should not be the Republican agenda, or the Democrat agenda, or the Libertarian agenda. Your number one agenda is your king's agenda, is God's agenda. That is our push. That is what we concern ourselves with. And what is the king's agenda? That more and more people come into his kingdom. That more and more people become citizens of his kingdom. That more and more people experience the joy and the freedoms that belong to his kingdom. This is his agenda. This is what we back. And we do it not by force, but by the word of God. By spreading the message of Jesus Christ, more and more people are brought in. We are fellow citizens of God's kingdom. But we're also members of his household. We get a little more intimate, don't we? Not just are we citizens, we are members of his household. We belong to our Father's home, and all of us enjoy the love, the protection, the guidance, the discipline, the provisions of our Father. And that has big application for our church. No matter how big we get, how do we treat each other? Like family. We love each other. We sacrifice for each other. We know each other. Uh, We support each other like family because that is what we've been made in Jesus. Through Jesus, we've been adopted by God and brought into his household. We're fellow citizens. We're members of his household. Finally. Oh, one more thing about being members of his household. If there becomes division in the household, the household falls. And so what do we want? If there's divisions among our family, we want to address it immediately. If, you have, if someone has sinned against you, we want that addressed immediately and come to reconciliation through Jesus Christ who forgives our sins and we forgive each other because we want no divisions in the household. Last one. He says you are being brought together and built into the temple, a holy dwelling, a holy temple of our God. The Lord's temple is not a physical building. It's his people joined together, built on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. And each of us, like Peter says, are living stones being built into the temple of God, and he comes and dwells with us. You talk about a unifying aspect. How about knowing that Jesus is here right now as we join together in praise of Him. We are His temple. You can't get much more intimate than Jesus living in us and with us. And that's what we are. We are fellow citizens, members of His household, and we are His temple. We are unified in a common dependence on Jesus. And we are unified in our status before God. And so, Where are we dividing people? Where are we putting up dividing walls and separating ourselves? Let's start looking at people for what they are. They are people with the same common problem that we have, and that is that we've sinned. And the same common solution, Jesus died for them, just like he died for me. And through Jesus, through faith in him, they've been given the same status that I have, not because I've earned or deserved it, but simply by the grace of our God. When we start having that mindset, what happens? Jesus brings unity. May God be with you as you grow in this truth. May he be with us as we grow as a church in this truth so that there may be no divisions among us but that we are united under Christ because it's through him that we have been made Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for unifying us. Uh, There's so many uh, dividing walls in our country, in our uh, communities, in our own homes that we set up ourselves. Uh, But the reality is we're all human beings with the same problem, and that is that before you we stand guilty. But you have broken down those barrier walls uh, and united us, Uh, together through Jesus, Uh, because it's only through Jesus that any of us are saved, that any of us have peace. And so we thank you for that peace. We thank you for that hope that you've given us. Uh, Let us be the hope in the world. Uh, As uh, there's so many dividing walls in this world, uh, please keep those out of your church. Uh, Instead, let let the world see that uh, through you, we can be united, no matter what our background is, no matter where we're from. uh, We can come together as one body. And here. Uh, be a unified group of people under you. Uh, Let us be beacons of hope for the world that uh, is looking for uh, hope, Uh, the hope to stop all the division and to bring unity. There is no unity unless it's under you, though. And so let us live that hope. Let us live that peace. Uh, Let us be agents of that peace as we go out into the world looking to bring more and more people the gospel message. We thank you for Jesus and all that he's done for us. We thank you for the forgiveness of sins, the access that we have to you, so we can come into your throne room and pray and be with you now and forever. Continue to be with us, uh, help us to drop our pride, admit when we're wrong, and then look to be unified under our Savior Jesus and the forgiveness that He's won for each of us. We ask all this in His name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this message today. It's my prayer that uh, it has changed your heart as you grew in the message of your Savior, Jesus. Again, if you wouldn't mind liking and subscribing, we'd be grateful for that. God bless your day.